do want to thank those of you um, who prayed for the uh, crash, the youth group, as we made our uh, journey down to uh, Alabama and uh, worked with Alabama Rural Ministries. Um, it was a, a wonderful mission trip um, for a number, a couple families went. I think I saw Paul walk in and survived. Good to see you, doctor. And uh, the, uh, everybody made it back uh, safely, so appreciate your prayers. And just for you to, to know you were um, represented well and even a... Uh, um, there were uh, folks in the area who were uh, former members of CHPC who came to, to visit just to, to say hello and help uh, hammer a couple nails and do some other things. So it was a, um, a fun reunion in uh, that way too. The uh, um, one thing, being with teenagers, is you, you learn that um, we might speak English, but... We speak a different language, a, a very different uh, version of that uh, language. Um, founded out just in conversation, you know, um, some of you know, you know, now with texting, how it's just a different language, you know. BFF means best friends forever. LOL, you know, laughing out loud or a number of other um, words for that acronym. Also... Uh, um, and these are some I had to have translated recently. NP, no problem. Um, MB, my bad. Um, I was, what does that, those mean? I had to have them translated while I was with them. And on our journey back, the wonders of laptop computers, we were typing our Christmas letter. It's still Christmas, you know, it's still, remember we have 12 days of Christmas, that's where we got the song of the 12 days of Christmas, so Christmas doesn't end until the 12th day, a few days from uh, today. So we always use that as grace to write our Christmas letter in the beginning of January, and as long as it's out by the end of Christmas, we're, we're good. But I had my 15-year-old write her little paragraph, and I read it, and I had to get her to translate you know, what exactly did, do these, some of these words and phrases and combination of letters mean? Our journey in the next several months will be for us as a community to uh, remember our common language. For we come from a variety of backgrounds, ethnically, racially, economically, our uh, families are different, the traditions in which we practice, the, the things that we can hold important and appreciate and like it can all be different. But that doesn't matter. Because all those other things are temporal. What unites us, what enables us not only to speak and understand, but to love one another is our common bond in Jesus. As a church of Jesus Christ, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Indeed, the waters of baptism are thicker even than blood. And no matter our different backgrounds, as we desire and continue to pursue being a church without walls, 
connecting with one another in Jesus, no matter our differences. We will find our unity in Him and in Him alone. That's why during this series we will resurrect the prayer of last summer, our, 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 our prayer of being a church without walls, asking God to connect us in Jesus, to help us serve like Jesus, and to empower us to celebrate Jesus. For three months, we'll, just, we'll simply walk through the Gospel of Luke. Uh, last week, uh, so those of you that are here received a, um, just a reading schedule. A way for us to read through Luke, to, to walk from the manger to the cross together using the words of Dr. Luke. We'll read, actually if you followed this, you'll actually read through the gospel twice during this time. And I in, in, invite you in small groups or discussions, uh, um, you know, the Sunday school class the, the, during the second hour, the, the classic uh, Sunday school class will be walk, using a study and walking through Luke uh, along this pathway. So I in, encourage you, invite you, challenge you even to really dive in to learn our common language in Jesus, to relearn it, to to be reminded again of just how unique, exclusive, beautiful He is. Today, we will look specifically at His baptism and the word that, that comes from today is beloved. How not only Jesus is beloved, but how in Him we are beloved. So I invite you today and invite you these next three months on a, um, a, a Berlitz class in a sense of uh, being uh, reminded of our common language in Jesus. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for your written word Thank you for your living word in Jesus and thank you for your enacted word that we will celebrate in a moment as we gather around Jesus' table. In this moment, may your spirit so open the eyes of our heart and soul that we hear from you. Open the uh, the eyes of our heart and soul so that we, we see you anew, that we learn together our language in Jesus that we receive from you, indeed, your word to Jesus and to us, that we are beloved in you. Help us, prepare us to receive that word from you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Our passage this morning will be on your screen, also be in your um, Bibles. invite you to turn there. Um, In your pew Bible, if you'd like to turn there, it's uh, found on page 834. Luke chapter 3, starting with verse 15 through verse 22. Um, do want to remind you, um, also, if you didn't get one of the green, our common languages, there may be some others around, but if not, the readings simply for this week are in your bulletin that you can read along through uh, this week to prepare for uh, next week. Hear the word of the Lord. Luke chapter 3, starting with verse 15. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah, 
John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. But Herod, the ruler, who had been rebuked by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the evil things that Herod had done, added to them all by shutting up John in prison. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you... I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, what? Uh, just quickly walk through a little bit of this passage. We we see what Luke is doing. He is presenting clearly that John the Baptist must take a back seat, and that Jesus now must become the focus. That Jesus is the one. I mean, John the Baptist makes it clear. I mean, the crowds were gathered. It had been 30 years, we're told. If you just look at verse 23, Jesus is 30 years. Just a a little hint here. You know, we've been a a week. You know, we've been a little over a week since celebrating Christmas. Well, Well, since Christmas, it's now 30 years. Biblical time. And now, John the Baptist, so the excitement has been building and building and building and now John the Baptist is saying to the folks no I'm not the one Jesus is the one I'm not even the one that can untie his sandals I mean I just have water to baptize with he will have fire he will have the Holy Spirit he is the one who is the boss he is the Lord he is the teacher he is the savior he is the one who is coming to rescue us from evil the evil in our own hearts the evil in the world and the evil of the devil himself he is the one who will come as the judge he will bring the good news i mean that's what he's saying in verse 16 and 17 and and, and luke wants to make it clear that that's the case that Jesus is now the one. Just note, you know, that, that John has fulfilled his purpose. He, he is fulfilling God's will. He, is do, he has done everything that he was born to do. Remember Zechariah and Elizabeth? Remember that John was, baptized, was, was born for this very purpose. He has perfectly done what God wants him to do. Fulfilling, we're we're told, verse 18, with many exhortations or even encouragements, he has proclaimed good news. I mean, the words that he is saying, that he has been saying are good news to the people. It is received with joy and satisfaction, fulfilling perfectly. So don't you want to give John a watch, you know, a gold watch or a clock or something and say, here's your retirement home up in the mountains of upper Jerusalem for you fulfilled your purpose well. But what happens? John the Baptist, he spends his retirement years in prison. 
and as we know from other readings, is eventually beheaded. Just a word. This is free. It's to the side here. But a free word. Just because John did exactly what God had called him to do was no guarantee of his worldly success, no guarantee of his freedom, of his pleasure in this life. It was no guarantee of being appreciated by those around him except that he fulfilled the Father's will perfectly. That was his joy and his fulfillment. He's in prison now, and so now it's Jesus' turn to be, to come to main stage. John, a perfect example for us as the church. This is the role of the church. It's the same role that John fulfilled. is to fulfill God's will perfectly regardless of worldly response so that Jesus might be the focus. That is our task. That is the reason we were born. The same as John the Baptist. All right then, so verse 21, 22. All the people were being baptized. Jesus had been baptized. And now he was praying. And as he's praying, we're told that the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, comes upon him. And as the dove is upon him, we hear the voice. We're told the heavens open and the voice of God the Father then speaks into being what is true and what is real. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. It's not often that God speaks so audibly in the scriptures. But when he does, he accomplishes what he says. I mean, just harken back to Genesis 1, to the very beginning, when God said, let there be light, and there was light. God's word is clear and precise here. This one, Jesus, he is my beloved. With him, I am well pleased. That is true. That is real. Now, for a number of these passages and these events, what I encourage you to do is is just take a moment and, and imagine the scene. Imagine that scene by the River Jordan. Imagine that you are on the banks of the River Jordan. And, and you see John the Baptist in the water. And you see the, and you hear the conversation between John the Baptist and Jesus. Luke doesn't give that to us, but some of the other writers do. And you see Jesus baptized. You see him then praying. You've been part of the crowd. You've been caught up in the excitement around John. And you've heard John deflect that excitement and those acclaims to him. And so you're wondering what is happening and now you're seeing John and Jesus. Imagine that scene. Now for some of you, 
imagination is a bad word. It's not a bad word. God is, is Lord of the imagination. There, there is no place that God is not Lord. So there's nothing wrong with, with putting yourself in the text. You put yourself in the text so that the text can get in you. That's, that's our goal. So really, imagine that scene. Don't just sit there and twiddle your thumbs while I'm encouraging to imagine. Really do it. If you need to close your eyes, close your eyes. But imagine yourself in the biblical scene that is being set so that you can really get into it, so that the Spirit can really get into you. But imagine that scene there. You're on the River Jordan. You hear the water. You see it. You feel it. You see John baptize Jesus. Gets up told that he starts to pray. Now what goes through your mind? What goes through your heart when you see a dove, bodily form we're told, come and land on Jesus? And as you're there, you, you hear... The voice from the heavens. This is the beloved in whom I am well pleased. What goes through your mind? What goes through your soul as you see that? As you hear that voice and you recognize, you realize, this is the one. Some of you may go to a ball game this afternoon. And it's at the, the beginning of the ball game, at the, over the loudspeaker, as the team arrives and comes onto the field. Welcome your Cincinnati Bengals! And the crowd erupts at the announcement, at the proclamation this is the team. How much more so at this scene when the voice is proclaiming the truth and the reality that this is the one, the Savior of the world to rescue us, the beloved of God. I mean, you, I thought over the weekend that I lost a $50 bill. And I was going through my pockets and all the rest, and in the middle of a couple receipts, there it popped. And I looked at it, the, the sense of satisfaction, the sense of relief, I didn't have to tell my wife. <laughs> yep, that's a grant right there. And put it away for safekeeping. Now, how much more? If you've been waiting 30 years, you've been waiting your whole life, and here is the one that the proclamation of the voice from above said, this is the beloved. Really, if you were there, what do you feel towards Jesus at that moment? What is happening in your soul as you hear the proclamation of the heavens spoken about Jesus 
being the beloved? What words come to your mind? What feelings rise up? I mean, write them down. That might be good discussion at lunchtime. Good words to consider throughout the week. As you, If you were there, what were you feeling at that moment? What did you feel towards Jesus? As I went through that exercise, as I put myself in the text so that the text would get into me, I'm telling you what I felt when I saw Jesus get up and I heard the voice of God say, I'm hanging with Him. Wherever He goes, I'm going. I am on His coattails because He is the chosen one. He is the Lord. He is the Savior. I am with Him, period. No matter where He goes, He's the Beloved. Now, I want you to notice something. The the voice from above, the voice of heavens, the the voice of God the Father speaks to Jesus, who we know to be God the Son, saying, you are the beloved. Why? Why does, does, does Jesus receive that designation as being the one who is the beloved, the one who is... Pleasing to God the Father. I mean, according to Luke, what has he done? Outside, outside of a little story, a great interesting story that we have of Jesus' childhood being staying around in the temple, the only things we know about Jesus is that he was born and baptized. That's it. 30 years later. Now he is the one that receives the voice of acclamation, affirmation, proclamation from the heavens. You are the beloved. You are the one I cherish. You are the one I love. You are the one I choose. It has absolutely nothing to do with what he's done. It has everything to do with who he is. As God the Son, in eternal relationship with God the Father. A perfect relationship of love. A perfect relationship of affirmation. Acclamation. That has nothing to do with what is done or accomplished or achieved. But has everything to do with who God is. It is the very nature of the character of God. That in the triune relationship, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, there is perfect love in relationship with one another. And that is the foundation. That is the foundation of the public ministry of Jesus. For now we begin His public ministry. Now we begin the journey pointedly to the cross. That Jesus, who is 100% God, 100% human, in this affirmation 
the love of God the Father and God the Holy Spirit is made clear to him, made clear to all, that he is accepted and that is the basis of his ministry. That is the basis of his success. That is the basis, the affirmation of his security. That is the certainty of his life. Just like with John the Baptist. Based on the very love of God. That he is the beloved of God the Father. You remember, some of you, I'm sure you do, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago, when we talk about the cycle of grace versus the cycle of works. Let's uh, show those, Larry. If you, you recall, it was some missionaries that did some work, did some um, study in the Gospels to find out exactly how Jesus was able to maintain as in His humanity the, the perseverance in, in ministry because so many missionaries and ministers, and this was in the 50s, 40s, and 50s, were, were, were burning out. And they, they looked, they, so they studied Jesus' life, and they came up with this, this pattern of acceptance, significance, achievement. Next slide. And, and what the cycle of grace showed as they looked at Jesus' life was that Jesus started at acceptance. Like passages like this. What was foundational, what was absolutely crucial, what was necessary first steps, what was necessary bottom line for Jesus in His ministry was that He was accepted by the Father. In the fullness of His humanity, He was accepted, He was beloved. He was the beloved. And as the cycle of grace goes, then it moved from acceptance to significance to achievement. This is crucial in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Sets the foundation for Him that He is beloved. The voice, the proclamation, the reality from above for all that Jesus is going to have to endure in these next three years is set for Him that He is accepted by the Father. Now I know, it's sort of hard to grasp. Wait a minute, wasn't Jesus God? Well, yeah, but He was also fully human. So in the fullness of His humanity, He needed that acceptance. If He didn't need it, then He wasn't 100% human. He was 100% human, as well as being 100% divine. But for now, we'll... Talk about His humanity and the model that He then is for us. Out of the love of the Father comes His significance and then His achievement. The cycle of works, the way the world goes just the opposite way. It starts with achievement and then goes to significance and acceptance. It's out of what we do, what we accomplish, that we become significant and then are accepted the cycle of grace, the way of Jesus is, the, is just the opposite. It starts with acceptance, with Him being the beloved. Now, you can go to the next slide. Larry, thanks. That same reality of Jesus, that He is the beloved, 
That He is the one who is well pleased. That, that the voice of the Father speaking love to Him, acceptance, significance, speaks the same to anyone who is in Christ. Go back to the River Jordan. But instead of Jesus being baptized, imagine you are being baptized. And as you imagine being immersed in the water, you're brought up and you hear the voice of the heavens say to you the exact same words they said to Jesus. Can you imagine that? What stops you from imagining that? What stops you from truly believing that? Let it go. Is it some sin? Is it some uh, act that you've committed in your past? Is it some act you're in the middle of committing now? What, what is it? Just, you're just listening to the voices of self-rejection that well up within you or that surround you? What is it that stops you from believing and receiving that the voice of God to you? You are my beloved. In you I am well pleased. If you are in Christ, then you have the same position as Christ. That's crazy, isn't it? That's, that is the scandal of grace. If you are in Christ, then you have the same position as Christ. John 1, 12 through 13. But to all who received Him, who believed in His name, He gave power to become children of God. If you believed in Him, you received Christ, and you are a child of God. Regardless of what the world tells you, regardless at times what you feel, and regardless what seems to you to be failure or struggle or pain, you are beloved as a child of God. Galatians 3.27 As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. When the Father sees you, if you are in Christ, if your faith, your trust is in Christ, you are clothed in Christ, He no longer sees you, Jew, the, 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 second, second, the next verse, there's no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. See how Jesus is our common language? He's our common clothes. He's our common uniform. He is who we are. And so the word of the Father to Jesus is the word of the Father to you. And the word of the Father to the person next to you. The word of the Father to the person three pews up. The word of the Father to the one in Christ who is 3,000 miles away. Who is 6,000 miles away. Whomever is in Christ is clothed in Christ.
in a sense, the same qualifications that Jesus fulfilled, being born and baptized. Not baptism as an empty ritual, but baptism as that symbol of faith, of a true faith in reality, puts you in the same position of Jesus and puts the one next to you in the same position. And anyone else, no matter how different, no matter what their language might be, they too are beloved. Now, if you have a tough time really grasping that you indeed are beloved, just like Jesus, uh, affirm to you a, a book by Henry Nouwen, Life of the Beloved, um, and just a, a simple quote from him. Hear these words to you. And if you're familiar with some of the biblical language and biblical stories, uh, events, and words of Jesus, you'll hear these words. You'll know where they come from. But these are God's word to you. Receive them for you as the beloved. I have called you by name from the very beginning. You are mine and I am yours. You are my beloved. On you my favor rests. I have molded you in the depths of the earth and knitted you together in your mother's womb. I have carved you in the palm of my hands and hidden you in the shadow of my embrace. I look at you with infinite tenderness and care. For you, with a care more intimate than that of a mother for her child, I have counted every hair on your head and guided you at every step. Wherever you go, I go with you. And wherever you rest, I keep watch. I will give you food that will satisfy all your hunger and drink that will quench all your thirst. I will not hide my face from you. You know me as your own, as I know you as my own. You belong to me. Nothing will ever separate us. Those are the words of the Father to you. A common language today, our word for the day, is beloved. As Jesus is beloved of the Father, so too are we.